and welcome to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today we're here with Carlos Canto. Carlos, thank you for taking the time. It's a pleasure having you here. It's a pleasure to be here and thanks indeed for the opportunity and for inviting me to be with all of you. Absolutely. And I think today our audience, I think you guys can be really excited about the topic because we're going to really dive into some of, you know, the sport business trends that are happening now in the future. And is it in it? It is a very exciting time and you know with Carlos expertise that uh, we're gonna dig his brain a little bit into trying to like understanding the trends and, and talk a little bit around that because I think it will be you know very exciting for all of you especially the young people out there to trying to understand you know where is the industry moving you know obviously a lot of stuff happening with the pandemics a lot of innovation and technology happening because of this challenging time as well and we're gonna dig a little bit into that so, but before we do that, Carlos, I think it would be great if you could just share a little bit about your background, your experience uh, with our audience so they can get a little bit better sense of who you are. Okay, perfect. No problem. A pleasure. So, uh, yes, I, I study at Esade Business School, my BBA as well as my MBA. Then I moved to a purely focus on tourist and entertainment consulting firm. Nice. I became partner through an MBO management buyout. Right. Then I moved to Segos, uh, which is, as you know, a human resources, HR, training, recruiting company for three yeah. years, yeah. becoming director of communication. And then I moved to IMG. Right. Very, very proud. And ten, yeah. 10 plus amazing years. Yeah. where I had the opportunity to, to, to travel a lot, to contribute in a lot of projects in different countries and to learn a lot as well. Right. And then I moved to, for two and a half years to Lagardère Sports. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. since September 2016, I have my boutique consulting firm, SPSG Consulting, yeah. uh, a boutique uh, thing uh, specialized in, in sports, entertainment, right. in sponsorship and partnership. Yeah. Along with this, and in addition to this, I'm a member of the board of the Spanish Marketing Association and the guy in charge of a sports chapter. Yeah. I'm a professor at the Sadevin School at IE, Instituto de Empresa, and La Liga Bin School and Escuela Real Madrid. Right. And then also I'm a very, very honored to be a member of the advisory board of your company, uh, Sporting Global, as well as other entities such as uh, the World Football Summit, for example, and Oklo as well. So right. yes, the, well, that's me, and a great, like uh, a great pleasure to be with you at the at the board of the advisory board, sorry, of Absolutely. the uh, Sporting Global. We're we're excited to have you part of it, and I think you know for all of you out there, like Carlos has like an experience from all different sides of the industry, you know, both from an academic perspective but also the professional side so it's sort of like a nice mix you know of like understanding the mechanisms and sort of again you know why you know we're excited to have Carlos as part of it as well because we're trying to bridge that gap you know um, but but I think you know for first and foremost then I think we're just going to dive straight into the topic here what are some of the sport business trends you've seen emerging you know sort of like in the last few years what has been sort of like you know hot topics that, that people are you know looking into right now that's a very very interesting question um, especially uh, you know for for students right and for right. people that are, are really fresh in the sports industry i would say six six trends one right. absolutely professionalism yeah more and more sports industries consider as a very very professional wise for sure 
we need to be very, very aware that the sports industry globally accounts for between 1.5 to 2% of the GDP, global GDP. Yeah. Okay. Uh, only in Europe, it accounts for 2.12%. Right. And 2, 2.7 to 2% of the employment within right. the European, within the European Union, which yeah. means uh, the industry more need more professionals. Absolutely. Professionalism means better skills, more education, training, etc., etc., etc. Right. So actually, to be better prepared to compete, and yeah. also because the industry is more and more and more appealing. Yeah. So no, more sure. competition as well. So I would say this would be the first trend moving forward, professionalism. And, and, and it's so important, you know, if you think about it too, in terms of like the increased revenue, you know, from sponsorships, brands, all media Absolutely. partners coming in. So you need people with the right kind of skill set and knowledge to be handling this. And hence, obviously, you know, why you need to increase the professionalism and why that's been growing so much the last few years. Absolutely. Professionalism, it does not only include to know a little bit how the sport industry works, right. which is very, very useful, obviously. Yeah. But it also includes, uh, you know, uh, how a business is run, for right. example, as well as all the skills and professional competences, yeah. leadership, uh, project management, communication, right. resilience, etc., etc., etc. So again, professionalism. All right. The second... All right. I would say a more diversity of revenue streams. Yeah. You have mentioned some of them. Right. This is the portfolio of revenue uh, streams have dramatically increased over the, the last, uh, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 years. For sure. For sure. That's the second one. The third one, I would say that is a consequence of the sports being considered as a real industry. So right. more and more investors are interested in entering into yeah. the sports industry, which means venture capital, investment funds, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera, are analyzing and assessing opportunities in the sports industry and investing. Yeah. And the I third mean, one- Not only from, uh, sorry for interrupting there. Oh, please, <laughs> again, is a conversation. I was thinking sort of like, you know, from an investment perspective, like before we sort of like saw like the typical, how can I say, you know, the, the multi-millionaire billionaires that are like, exactly. okay, I'm going to buy a club and kind of like, you know, have it as my hobby, you know, sort of like we, we still see some of that. But, but at the same time, now you see there's much more of a business focus of like, how can we, you know, take this club or, or sports organization and increase the revenue, not only from their own personal side and their own business, but from, you know, the, the, the sport industry. And of course, looking into the, 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 the new, you know, startups, the, the, the sports tech, the sport industry startups that are growing as well, that you see a lot more, you know, investors being aware of. And that comes back to your first point, Carlos, with like the professionalism. You know, the, the increased professionalisms, you will see a growth also in revenue, as you said, in point two. And then, uh, you know, leading up to like people seeing the value and of like the, the, the potential revenue sides from, from investment side. Absolutely. Professionalism means also, and, it, and this is linked with the investment thing, to know more about finance. Right. Finance is not something that it is outside the sports industry yeah. at all. <laughs> Again, more and more investors are considered. This is an industry at the end of the day. Right. So you have your own PNL, you have your own balance sheet, etc. As any other industry in the world. Right. The fourth one would be innovation. 
Maybe yeah. we can talk a little bit more about this in further sure. detail, but innovation means not only technology. Yeah. Innovation means also the transformation of the business models. Right. To create new, to generate or ideate new sports, new formats, new ways of, you know, communicate with fans, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera. New, new ways to get access to the content. Okay? Yeah. yeah. The fifth one actually is the new paradigm of getting access to the um, sporting audiovisual content. Right. Which means different screens. The typical, you know, 20, 25 years um, uh, ago, I'm older than you. So <laughs> I, I also remember uh, black and white TV, imagine. Yeah, anyway, uh, that's another day story, okay? <laughs> we'll take that from another, another part. Exactly. <laughs> but we have different type of sizes of a screen at the end of the day. In a right. smartphone, you can you watch whatever you want, right? Yeah. Even in a big, big screen. So it is just... It is from a screen perspective, from a, you know, it's a, it's a matter of, of size. But then you have different type of access too. Right. You have the linear TV, you have the pay-per-views, you right. have the OTTs, many and owned by properties or own or specialize in, in, in sports or, or general, but you have also, uh, you know, betting companies and okay. daily fantasy companies acquiring rights as well to right. generate traffic through it. Yeah. Okay, you have um, the influencers, very, very important component of the ecosystem of the sports industry as we speak. We have also the fans. You can go to your uh, preferred stadium or arena or e event, shoot a video and upload it, right? So yeah. this yeah. is, and you are part of this conversation and you are part of this content, okay? Right. And last but not least, in these six main trends, I would say fan engagement. Hmm? Right. Fan engagement, uh, digital, obviously not digital, not physical, digital, combination yeah. of digital and, and digital. For sure. Clearly, we are not in the sports industry at the end of the day. We are in the sportainment industry. Yeah, yeah. Which means that properties need to focus not on the avid fan, avid sport fan, but the avid and casual fan in right. both, okay? And this is part of the conversation, this is part of the question moving forward in terms of, you know, the sports industry as, a, as an industry, as, a, as an economic sector, to right. be engaged 365 days per year, 24 hours per day with your fan, okay? Absolutely. In, in a global basis. And I'm thinking, you know, like, and I had like this, this, this talk uh, not too long ago, like talking a little bit about the esport industry, you know, which is obviously, you know, being one of the, you know, emerging, uh, you know, sectors of the sport and entertainment industry that has been growing a lot. And, and what people are sort of like discussing there is like how the esport industry is able to attract, uh, you know, so many wide variety of fans, you know, into their audience, you know, which may be like the sport itself haven't been able to you know touch upon sort of like the casual fan you know because like a lot of people can relate to gaming and and so forth and what is interesting to see is like how the sport teams and, and properties are utilizing this as a way of you know increasing their fan base as well from like of course you know you can support uh you know when you see these professional teams you know going into the esport world and hopefully someday like they transition into not only you know watching the esport games but also watching you know what is happening out on the field or the stadium so i think i think this is a very interesting area of like uh you know how 
especially in terms of fan engagement, you know, from a, from a, from a team and, and a, an organizational standpoint from, uh, from the sporting industry. Indeed, this is a very, very interesting point and, and, and subject. I would say the following. Um, we need, first of all, to differentiate gaming and esports. Yeah. Esports is, part of, is the top of the, of the pyramid. And then you have a vast variety vast variety of titles or games right okay right some of them some of them are the typical purely purely uh, esports league right. of legends call of duty counter strike fortnite etc okay yeah. but within the esports industry we also have let's say the digital version of let's say traditional sports right meaning fifa uh, ea for uh, football soccer yeah. meaning NBA 2K, meaning F1, meaning MotoGP, meaning golf, etc., etc., etc. And this is, um, this type of titles have a, a huge mass of followers right. and gamers at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm, my, my company is undertaking several projects in regards to esports, and we know quite well this space. And, you know, um, the avid plus the casual fan, okay, yeah. uh, interested in esports. It's also interested in this part of the FIFA's, the NBA, 2Ks, the MotoGPs, etc., etc., etc. Yes, it, it's a very, very interesting topic, and some properties are using this esports angle to incorporate or uh, to increase the the attraction yeah. for new fans. But at the end of the day, and these are can be eventually considered two type of very, very di different uh, type of activities. Right. Okay? No, for sure. To create synergies. That's the important thing. Yeah. Like provide like the, to have it part of the value chain of like what's, what's their Absolutely. goal. And to, and to fully understand that in the purely eSports um, arena, right. Um, the uh, where the money is mainly made is not out of the digital side of esports but actual right. from the pres from the, from the physical events yeah this is where all majority of sponsors are you know investing some time of money in terms of activation right. and you know uh, properties are investing in making a lot of money so again esports is not digital Esports is a combination of digital and physical at, this, sure. at the same time. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, obviously you know tr some of the trends being impacted by the by the pandemic and Absolutely. like will will we see a change of of trends and if so like what kind of new trends or changes will we see you know in being impacted by the pandemic uh, from your from your perspective. That's a very interesting question. Uh, absolutely. One is an increase in terms of professionalism. Yeah. In tough times, only the ones that are really well prepared yeah. will be the ones that will survive. 100%. Okay. Second, in terms of sponsorship, the situation has obliged both sides of the sponsorship equation, so yeah. brands and properties, to talk more, right? To co to better communicate, to try to understand the other side, right? Okay, so and, and that's important. And also, sponsorship has you know um, speed up 
the process to incorporate in a more natural way what we call sponsorship with purpose. Right. Sponsorship is not only about, you know, locating some logos here yeah, or there. Yeah. It is not only about brand visibility. Right. Also, and it is not also only about values. Right. It talks about generation of revenues. It talks about reputation, et cetera, et cetera. And when it comes to reputation, sponsorship with purpose, this is what it makes sense. Right. Something that, that is worth for the society presently and moving forward. Absolutely. Obviously, the pandemic and the COVID-19 has increased the need to digitalize all the you know, relationship with the different stakeholders of the sport industry uh, ecosystem, right. among them fans, obviously. Yep. So digital, more, more digital as part of this digital world. Right. Uh, the fourth one in terms of venues, stadia, arenas, yep. this is, I, I would say, the most painful thing, maybe, okay? Because they have uh, seen their revenues to drop dramatically. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, they, uh, they need to invest in uh, accommodating, in adapting right. the venues to the new requirements in terms of security, self, safety, health, etc., etc., etc. Okay, and then innovation. Right. Sometimes properties have they have to uh, you know innovate, reinvent at some point of time. Okay, right. and again, this is not only technology. This yeah. is in terms of new formats, new initiatives, new sports new uh, identify new revenue streams and at right. the same time trying to decrease some costs yeah no for sure and i think you know it's 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 we always talk about this whole situation when sometimes you need a crisis to happen in order to elevate innovation and i mean like of course as you said in the beginning too it's like the ones that are prepared the ones that are you know a like are uh you know ready to innovate ready to like take new steps and look at it from a different lens you know those are the ones that will survive and also you know change the industry and make it you know into a more professional space because of course you know everything uh, essentially turned upside down you know when when sports stopped and then you're like okay but how can we come out of this situation in the best possible way uh, like are there tools are there resources we don't need anymore like what other tools do we have to do and hence you know you see you know, partnerships with Zoom coming up, like other, you know, untraditional maybe partners coming up in the field uh, in, in the sport industry. And I think we will see a lot of this, uh, you know, in, in, in the near future as well. And in the next few years of like uh, kind of a change of what kind of key partners that will be elevated in the sport industry, not sort of like your typical banks and all this stuff, but, but more like, you know, technological partners, at least that's, that's what I see, you know, from, from, from speaking with a lot of, you know, head of sponsorships here in Norway, uh, some in the U.S. as well, and, and just digging into that, you know, change of scenery. And I think it's, again, as you said, talking about, like, you know, being able, able to, you know, take that step. And as you said, like, you know, from a health perspective, innovation perspective, like stadium, stadium health, you know, it's going to be very crucial. And, and I think, you know, we're just looking at the new norm, you know, the new normal of like this, this technically should already been in place at stadiums from maybe from the beginning, but then it needs like this sort of, you know, pandemic or crisis to happen when people are like, well, now we can actually do this and it would be better for us, you know, maybe it's a little bit, you know, more expensive right now, but looking down like five, you know, 10 years, 
this will be a great way to like, you know, keeping a track of like, you know, how, how do we keep our fans, you know, more safe? How do we keep our staff more safe? How do we essentially, you know, have a better tradition into, you know, making sure that when, uh, once a pandemic maybe come up again, we're better prepared and we're in a better position of coming through this, uh, you know, crisis much better than we, we were at this time. Looking into the future, the beginner faces a choice that leads him to the triumph or not. Being surrounded by like-minded professionals can be the best guarantee that you actually take that crucial career step. Sport in Global is a digital network for sports jobs. It gives you the chance to be involved in the sports industry no matter who you are, regardless of gender, nationality, and experience. Our AI system matches up talent with human resources. Candidates who align with the company's values and needs immediately get shortlisted. It saves time for HR and increases the opportunities available to applicants. The platform identifies tailor-made recommendations based on user needs, so you're always aware of the possibilities out there right now. SportIn Global is a place where students gain key tips about jobs and build the valuable connections that are essential for people at the beginning of their career path. The path from candidate to champion starts with a single step in the right direction. Sign up to Sport in Global. Sport in Global, the best way to enter the sports industry. Absolutely, absolutely. These are the key points, absolutely. So if we're looking a little bit into, you know, technology and data, which will obviously be key moving forward, we talked a lot about a lot about different kind of trends, but, but if you focus like, uh, you know, technology and data, what are some of the main trends that we will see in the near future? Yeah, that's a crucial question. Um, I would say the following. Um, I remember when I used to study at the Sade Business School many, many, many years ago, <laughs> Uh, we were using, uh, you know, um, uh, software to to analyze data. Right. And I'm talking uh, again many, many, many years <laughs> ago. So data, it is not something new at all. Right. What technology provides you is the ability to gather data maybe in real time. Right. Mm -hmm. And in, in analyzing this data, maybe maybe quicker. But the most important thing in terms of data is to know what kind of data, sorry, what kind of information you need in order to, to make decisions. Right. So this information is pre-translated into data, okay? Yeah. And how to, to collect this data. That's a, as a primary thing. Moving forward, I would say that obviously technology and big data and all of this is, is, is crucial. Yeah. And all the digital transformation, etc. But even with the best, best idea, with the best, best, you know, new concept of digital transformation, whatever. Yeah. I would say that the most important thing is not to have this idea, is not to have this algorithm, is not right. to have this new technology, is how to make it possible, is how to implement this right. idea or this new concept. Yeah. And this is not about technology. This is, right. uh, this is about professional skills, this is about processes. This is about procedures. This is about leadership. Yeah. This is about skills. Right. And this and this is the the part of the question that usually it is not mentioned. Yeah. 
And I would say, according to my experience, um, that this is, the, I would say, the most important part, the most pivotal, you right. know, variable in the equation. If you fail in the implementation, at the end yeah. of the day, you'll you'll get nothing. Right. No, Even if the if the idea is the concept is super innovative. Yeah. No, for sure, and and I think you know. Be, like even even like you know looking back like maybe you know five ten years ago it was sort of like this this way where everyone was talking about data but no one really used how like didn't didn't focus on like how to use it they're just like oh we have tons of data you know and i'm like great but like like how do you how do you actually benefit from it and as you said like of course you know now it's sort of like the, the the real life accessibility and how fast data travels and like the information and you can gather but if you don't you know collect the right kind of information you know and and only the va most valuable information then it's it's not useful you know like so it's about as you said how can the data and the information that you're being provided actually provide value whether that's you know re revenue generation whether that's you know making smarter decision being more efficient uh, what it might be you know those those are the real metrics that that you have to evaluate in the process of you know what kind of data you have and how it's useful absolutely we all speak the same same language uh, data by by data by themselves it means nothing yeah you need information to uh you know to sustain your decisions right okay or to take into account when the decision-making process is 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 ongoing, in order to create value to right. your stakeholders, whatever kind of stakeholders, in a sustainable way. In order to do this, you need data, but okay. you need to know what kind of data and what kind of information. Otherwise, you will be lost in translation. You will be lost in the middle of a huge amount of of data, and then so what? Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and if you look into like right now, though, with with sort of like, you know, remote teams happening a lot, you know, people working from home, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, layoffs, layoffs have been happening. And but it was sort of at least like in Europe now, sort of like going in a position where uh, it's starting to rebuild the teams. You're starting to see, you know, sort of like, OK, we're getting back on our feet. Um, mm -hmm. And. How do you see, you know, obviously recruitment tools playing into the development of the sport and entertainment industry? And, you know, what will be key, you know, moving forward now for these remote teams, the rebuilding of their organizations to, you know, essentially utilizing this as a resource moving forward? That's a great question. I mean, we live in a, in a global world, yeah. definitely. Uh, even in these tough, tough times when, uh, traveling is not that easy because yeah. of you know quarantines and so forth and so on. But this will pass, okay? But yeah. we live in a in a global and even with the uh, you know um, consequences of the pandemic and all this digital boom, etc. We are even much more global right now right. compared to six months ago. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people has discovered the zooms of the world and the teams right. of the world. So um, and that's a that's a that's the the reality. So we are more uh, more global. More global means more opportunities. Right. We are closer to more opportunities, but at the same time, the competitors are also closer to this com to these opportunities. Right. Yeah. So right. the let's say the feel of the of the of the game 
has been expanded. Yeah, yeah. Right. We are more global, more opportunities. But again, the the other competitors are also aware of these opportunities. Right. So all these, such as Sporting Global, and um, what helps is to have a, a more broader understanding of what's happening in the marketplace. Right. But it allows also properties and and even the the you know the the professionals to do a better pre-screening. Yeah. Of the pre-screening, for example, in terms of candidates, yeah, in terms of the you know curricula, in terms of the some kind of skills, some kind of background, etc. It helps all this process. Right. But at the end of the day, the last let's say step, okay, I would say that the that the physical you know um, uh, conversation and getting to know the candidate in the this case it's it's still a must, okay. Yeah. I will never hire a CEO without knowing him or her. Yeah, yeah. Okay? No, for sure. But the process is 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 helping. All these uh, platforms such as yours and others are are absolutely helping all these all these process because at the end of the day it helps also to create communities. Right, right. And this is very very important. It is. So this, the sports industry professionals at the end of the day should um, or, have the the need uh, to to feel that they belong to something right right and this is not something just like you know uh, how important is the sports industry from an employment perspective from um, you know gdp perspective etc but to get to know each other to right. create network opportunities but also internally and externally right towards the marketplace yeah, and the labor market, and this is very, very important. And all these platforms, such as you, they are helping and assisting uh, in this process moving forward. Yeah, and I think like you're touching upon very, you know, key elements, especially like with the community, like right now in in this challenging time. I mean, you know, what has been fun for us, and obviously we're not going to talk a lot about you know sporting global platform and all this stuff. But but what is interesting is is sort of like how I we've seen that people have kind of like felt the platform as sort of like a sanctuary in a sense where mm -hmm. it's a it's like a place where you can come and meet like-minded professionals and you know share you know interesting stories about what's happening in the industry try to like look at you know where are we going from here and and focus on you know how are we taking the industry to the next next step and i think also from like you know an organizational standpoint that you know, now it's the time to like, you know, look a little bit, you have the opportunity to look broader uh, from obviously your recruitment perspective, because you're in many cases are hiring remote talent, which means like, okay, they can be based wherever it is in the world. And you can maybe like, you know, get interns entry level positions from like all over and maybe explore markets that you weren't as familiar with before. And I think that's that's a huge opportunity and a potential for a lot of organizations out there to utilize this time now to to explore maybe markets that they weren't you know as fully aware of after, as they were before this because they felt like okay we needed like you know stationary manpower and you know the the cost of travels and all this stuff has been you know drastically you know in, decreased because of like you know obviously people can't can't travel as much and i think like that opens up a lot of opportunities and now it's about you know grabbing that opportunity and 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 taking advantage of okay how can we make again 
talking about the value creation of like utilizing the situation, innovate in a time of crisis. Absolutely, this is important. Absolutely critical. So, so as we're looking to, and we're about to wrap up here, and, and I think like if, if there's one like last question, um, you know, we have, and, and obviously there's, there's usually a lot of, you know, young professional students here listening to the podcast and, and trying to, you know, get a sense. And I, and I think they've been really enjoying this episode so far. And if there's some tips you have, you know, for, for those students on how to be aware of the trends and, you know, what can they do to stay on top of this and, and try to like, uh, have a better perspective of like where the trends are going. Like what are some of the steps that they can take? Yeah, that's a extremely interesting question. Um, I would say the following, at least three components. First, networking. Right. This 100%. is critical. To get to know people, you know, to exchange opinions, comments, whatever type of, you know, um, networking. Yeah, right. uh, to know you, to know the CMO of a company, to know the CEO of a, of a federation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. In different levels, okay? Yeah. But this is, this is critical. Um, yes, networking. 100%. Then know-how. Know-how yeah. means reading a lot, articles, e-newsletters, books, books. Right even the e-books, but books <laughs> as well. And but also, book, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But also, you know, attending and participating at webinars such as yours or the GZIG ones, etc., etc., etc. You know, right. you need to know uh, people, but you need to know also about the industry. Right. And what are the main trends and the main insights of the industry. And you know, a lot of consultants, among them uh, my our own consulting firm, SPSG, we produce along with partners such as Wolf of World Summit or GZIG, for example, yeah. reports, okay? And right. this is part of this equation to know much better where the industry goes and where the industry is and, right. is, and, and is moving to. And then uh, be proactive. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows that you are seated in your, you know, chair or sofa <laughs> waiting for. No, 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 guys, you need to be proactive. But you don't need to be proactive in the sense of, okay, property A, property B or brand Z. I'm yeah. here, uh, I'm, I would like to help. Uh, I would like, yes, to contribute. In what sense? Right. Be more proactive and, and be more concrete. Right. What kind of added value can yeah. you add at the end exactly. of the day to the property or to your employee? Yeah. Even, you know, try to create, ideate some kind of mini project, right. targeted, tailor-made for that property, for that employer yeah. at the end of the day and try to convince them. Yeah. So right. networking, know-how, try to be proactive, adding yeah. value. And then do not hesitate to ask. Right. 100%. Even so you and I, yeah. we, we had, you know, we were 18 years old many, many years ago. <laughs> Me, by far, by more, or 25 or even 30 years yeah. old, okay? Well, I'm not 30 yet, you? but. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, mm -hmm. But do not hesitate to ask, please, right, guys. Right. I no, mean, 100%. And we are in a global, you know, uh, wall and there's a lot of platforms to ask people and to get to know and to, yeah. you know, interact and 
Yeah, mm-hmm. come to connect at the end of the day. These and, are it, and it's about what you're saying, elements. right? It, it's being, you know, showing that interest and taking that first step. That's what it comes down to, you know, because I mean, like, no, no one knows where you are or like, unless you put yourself out there, like, who are you? What can you do and provide value and think about, you know, what can I learn? You know, and I, and I think like it goes back as well, like to, you know, when I was studying uh, back in the, so some years ago at, at my master and so forth in San Francisco, and I was, you know, we focus a lot on like speaking with people, like inform- having informational interviews, you know, getting to know people. And, and I said, of course, at, at that time, I was focusing a lot on, you know, the business side of the industry, because that's what I wanted to try to learn more. But I still reached out to, you know, positions that I've never heard about before. That was like, what is this? I just want to understand, you know, what is their role and how are they important? Because at the end of the day, if you have an ambitions of, you know, I don't know, being a CEO, a CMO, COO, or like having a leader position in the industry, you need to know the structure of the industry and how these different key players are functioning. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to lead them, you need to understand, you know, how this all ties together. Why is this important? How are you going to build them and find your path? And along the way, you might discover, you know, a lot of interesting opportunities, uh, you know, maybe find your, your passion about like within a certain area. And, and as, as Carlos said, you know, it's about, you know, you need to take that step. You need to showcase and be proactive uh, because no one is, no one is waiting, waiting for you. So you got to take that step and be, be ready to dive after it and, and seek, seek the knowledge, seek the opportunities and, and put yourself out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. These are the, the key elements uh, you need as, as, a, as a person who works or would like to work in the sports industry. Right. You, know, to, you have to be registered, sign up at, you know, three, four, five e-newsletters, for yeah. example. Get get to know what's, what's out there and what's happening and who is acquiring what kind of brands or properties and yeah. who is the new CEO of, of whatever, you know, company or club. This, this is part of the, of the game. Well, absolutely. And, and I'm thinking like one thing as well, which we've been focusing a lot on our new interns here at Sporting Global is that, you know, once, once you, I mean, like it's, it's, of course, as you said, very important to read and understand like okay keep keep aware of what's happening in the industry but one of the things we talked about too of like uh you know when they're sharing like sort of like their say they're sharing like they read something in the news about you know a new sponsorship agreement and then maybe add on your thoughts you know what is how do you see this is contributing to the the industry like what is your perspective on that scenario or case because with that you go from like Everyone can share an update in the sport industry, but what exactly like are you taking from it? Like, how are you showcasing that you understand this and maybe can provide some more value? And hence, you go from like someone who's reading about the sports news to actually becoming a sport professional. And that's going to be a key differentiator. Added value, added value. Absolutely. Well, Carlos, I, I mean, like we, we could talk about a lot of things, I think, and, and, and like we have a lot more to talk about. But I, I think we got to make a couple more episodes down the road, like diving into some of the, the trends, maybe like a little bit more specific, a lot of the things that are happening. But for now, I, I think, you know, we're, we're about to wrap up and I would like to thank you, Carlos, so much for taking the time to sharing your expertise, your, your knowledge 
uh, with our audience and it's been some really great advice and if there's some stuff you need to take out of this you know it's stay on top of the trends being proactive network a lot and you know take take the step take the step out so i don't know if you have any any final final comments no just uh, thanks again for the opportunity it's a pleasure and also it's a pleasure to try to contribute and add some value to your uh, initiative and to the sports industry at the end of the day okay? absolutely so, it's a pleasure to have you part of it and thanks so much indeed and every video we we do we always finish with this not kiss which means i see you later in the region <laughs> perfect thank you all right oh.